This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's the worst up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to the second episode of the DCTF Small College Podcast, an extension of Republic of Football. My name is Mike Craven, and I am also here on Zoom with our Small College Insider, Corey Hogue. Corey, how are you handling uh, the week two hangover? That was uh, one of the wilder weeks in college football at every division. At the FBS level, we had three overtime games, and, and that's before the Texas-Alabama, Texas A&M, App State uh, uh, game. So uh, a lot of crazy stuff at the FBS level, a lot of stuff below the FBS level. There are a lot of people not happy that are fan bases this week. And, um, and you know, I, I'm a fan of sub-FBS football in Texas. And I'm not happy this week. So I started my year off with a – I've been kind of positive. I like to be positive about these teams. These coaches don't make a lot of money. The players, you know, they work their rears off for all this. But we got to be honest. And it's time to start being honest this year. And that honesty is going to be based off of expectations. And if you're meeting those – and there's a lot of teams not meeting those right this season right now. Well, let's get started. So for those that are just tuning in for the first time and didn't catch the first episode, we're going to spend the first 15-ish minutes reviewing what happened over the weekend, the last 15 minutes previewing what's going to happen this upcoming weekend. And we'll try to keep it around 30 to 40 minutes um, each week here on the Small College Podcast for us. Uh, before we get going, you know, rate, subscribe, like, all that kind of stuff, five-star, wherever you're listening to. We really appreciate uh, the listenership, and we really appreciate the enthusiasm behind you know, the, those quote unquote other 35 college football programs in the state that maybe don't get as much shine as, as they should. Corey, let's start at the top. Uh, a big upset at the Division three level. Mary Hard Baylor lost 28 to 24 to Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, Whitewater goes on a 99 yard drive and scores on a nine yard touchdown pass uh, with 19 seconds left in the game to win. The Crusaders were up 17 to 14 and then 24 to 21 at different times in the third quarter, but were shut out for the final 18 minutes of gameplay. Uh, Mary Hardin Baylor allowed 301 yards through the air. Kyle King had a pretty decent day for, for the Crusaders at quarterback, 15 of 20 for 214 yards and a touchdown. Two receivers go over 100 yards. You know, is this kind of a – is this just one of those, you know, sometimes you lose, this is a good game, you lost to a good team, or is this a sign of concern for Mary Hardin Baylor long-term? No, there's problems. And they, they showed themselves in this game. Look – Mary Harden Baylor is the most talented team in NCAA D3, hands down, nobody's close. But talent doesn't win you football at the highest level. And when you're playing one of those handful of teams that can beat you, like UW-Whitewater, then you have to come out with an edge. And when you're at the one-yard line, like this just kind of symbolizes the entire game for me. You're at the one-yard line, you have a chance – to power it in and you can't get a yard, you can't will yourself one yard down there at the goal line multiple times, and, and then the defense can't hold them down there. That Listen, what's wrong with Mary Harden-Baylor is 
that first week, they looked dominant because they had a chip on their shoulder. They had heard the talk. They had heard me. They had seen what I put in the magazine, that they were going to be second. They were out to prove me wrong. Well, you did for one week. You did not last week against Whitewater. You did not have that chip, that same desire, that same inspiration, and that's going to be the difference for them between a national title and a playoff loss and probably the semifinals. Or if, look, they're behind the eight ball. They've got Harden-Simmons in two weeks. If they lose that game, there's a good chance they're not in the playoffs this year. The chip has got to be there. And, and so until they get that back, I'm, I mean, they're a national contender because of talent, but they need to get that edge. And, and I need to see it not just not against Southwestern this week. That, that's not even going to be fair. It's going to be when they play Harden-Simmons. That's really going to be the next one that, that's going to tell me where this team is and, and how they play. You know, we're both big fans of Coach Pete, you know, there at Mary Hart and Baylor for such a long time. Was this kind of expected, you know, not a dip in play or a dip in talent, but just kind of some inconsistency as, as a new coaching staff kind of figures out what it is to really lead a program? Because you can be an assistant, you know, for 40 years, but when you're a head coach, it's just a little bit different. And, and I'm sure for the guys inside that locker room, it's a little bit different not having him there. Well, Coach Harmon talked after the game. He mentioned that it was um, on the radio show that, he made some mistakes. He made some decisions that he wished. And those are things he's going to learn. Granted, um, you know, as bad as things are, though, there's one thing Mary Harden Baylor has that I I am come around to. I have jumped on the Kyle King bandwagon. I am now a fan. Look, last year I was I was unsure. This year coming into the season, I was unsure because he was replaced in the playoffs last year. You don't get replaced in the playoffs if you're heads above the other quarterbacks on the roster. But then he came on in the playoffs, and, and he, he did a great job and led them there. But I was questioning how he was going to be this year. That Manning Passing Academy has done this man so good. He is so accurate with that football. He is putting it right where it needs to be. Do I have issues with some of the use? Like, first half they used K.J. Miller a lot. Second half was Brandon Jordan. How about we put both of them on the same side? KJ's a, a great slot receiver. Jordan is perfect on the outside because nobody can match up with his height and put them on the same side of the field and force defenses to make a decision. Th those are things I would like to see moving forward. Let's stay in Division Three. Number nine, Trinity moved to 2-0 and on the season with a 17-16 overtime win over number eight, Wheaton. Trinity scored a touchdown in the per first possession of overtime, and Wheaton even matched, but the Tigers blocked the ensuing PAT to win the game and stay undefeated. Both teams recorded over 300 yards of offense. B.J. Stewart led Trinity with seven catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. Caleb Brown led the defense with 11 tackles. You know, we talked about Trinity last week. I know we're both high uh, there uh, on, on them. Kind of what did you see from this game? Kind of how important was it to kind of, you know, win a close game and pass a test this early in the year? you know, face some adversity and get over on the top of it. Wheaton is a really good team. That's why they're ranked as high as they are in the top 10. But if you want to compete with a team like Mary Harden Baylor and Harden Simmons, that's another tier that Trinity is not in at this moment. And I did not see them reaching to that tier last week. I, I expected them. I, I'm not saying blow out Wheaton, but, win at least by a touch and they had chances they hurt themselves especially in the first half they didn't convert 
They didn't do the things they need to do. Now they made the plays at the end when they had to that blocked the blocked extra point. It, it was just it was huge. Keeps them in there as a conference favorite. But if the expectation for Trinity is to compete with the best teams in Division Three in the state of Texas, I did not see that in that game last week. Yeah, can you kind of explain to people? I think you know people see like number eight team, number nine team, and they feel like, well, that's that's a national title contender. Like, how big is that separation from the top four or five programs to kind of the next four or five programs? It's huge, especially at the D three level. Uh, the D two level, it's not near as big. FCS and FBS, but at the D3 level, there are a handful of teams, maybe five, possibly six, truly capable with the talent and every, to win every single week. And those are the teams that when they play someone that is in the next tier below, say, conference contenders, okay, let's put Howard Payne in there right now. Howard Payne is a conference contender but they're not Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor. Like Howard Payne is good. They're not up there. Trinity is, is in that kind of in-between area. They, they're right there kind of getting close to the Harden Simmons, challenging Mary Harden Baylor in the playoffs last year. But to get that next step, which I think they expect this year to get up to that next step, they're going to have to be a lot more dominant. And they, there's going to be things to correct moving forward. It's week two. I'm, I, you know, I realize that, and this is still non-conference, but these teams are finding things that could be trouble come playoff time. And it's not that much different than the FBS level, right? I mean, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and then everybody else, you know, at the FBS level. So it, it can happen at, at every single division. Uh, let's move to Division Two in the Lone Star Conference. Number six, Angelo State escapes. Number twelve, Colorado School of Mines, thirty to twenty-seven in overtime. Uh, more overtime matchups. Like it's just crazy how uh, intense Week Two was. Uh, this was the rematch of the D2 Super Region 4 final. Uh, a 36-yard field goal by Asa Fuller won the game for the Rams, who start 2-0 for the third straight year. Angelo State outgained out Mines 473 yards to 273, including 264 yards and over six yards at carry. Angelo State, been impressive the first two weeks. What are your thoughts on the Rams? They have the recipe for a playoff run this year they have exactly what they need that is a very impressive win over an inspired minds team on the road tough place to play it was cold enough people were wearing sleeves and hoodies already you know like it's the weather that i wish i could have been in (laughs) but what i saw is a defense that is really solid and offensive line that is a lot better than i thought they would be which is not a theme throughout Texas sub FBS this year. So far, the offensive line of Angelo is, but they have a two headed rushing attack between Alfred Greer and Nathaniel Omeyabu, who are just, and I think it might've got his name close on that, (laughs) (laughs) but they are, they are outstanding. They hit the hole and there are holes that are huge against mines. They hit it fast. They're shifty. Zach Bronkhorst is the perfect quarterback for this system. Because he is a game manager, but there's one key, and it was a, it almost cost them against Mines. They cannot turn the ball over. Interceptions, pick sixes cannot happen at the at that level. That's that other tier we're talking about. Because Mines was into the national semifinals last year. That's another tier. 
Angelo State's proven they're there, but that then the net, the margin of error is so small, you cannot lose that turnover battle like like they have been. Yeah, I mean, you look at the box score and you wonder how it was that close, and then you see the turnovers and stuff like that, and you kind of you kind of figure it out. You know, the margin of error is smaller and smaller the higher you move up. We'll see if Angelo State can kind of clean up those performances, but they should feel pretty good about themselves, right? I mean, I think they can go into this week and go into the rest of the season knowing, okay, we're as good, if not better, than all these teams. If we can clean it up, we can win those games by two touchdowns, not by two points. Oh, they better come out with a ton of confidence. Like this team, what they've shown with the first two weeks, a shutout against Chadron State, which I was unsure what that meant about the defense. The defense is for real. The offensive line is for real. They have everything they need. They should have that confidence. They, they honestly, unless they really just kind of let up, they should roll through the Lone Star Conference this year. That's when it, it come playoff time after about the first or second round is when they're really going to have to watch out for. And those are hard to tell. You can't. You could talk about cleaning things up and making good decisions, but when you get up to that next level. It's hard to do. It really is. Yeah. Let's jump here. Jump up to the FCS ranks. Commerce falls to one and one after a twenty-six to twenty-five loss at Tennessee Tech. Commerce was up sixteen to three at halftime, but were outscored twenty to six in the fourth quarter. An eight-yard touchdown pass with two seconds left clinched the comeback win for Tennessee Tech. You know what went wrong for Commerce down the stretch? Just an awful, awful fourth quarter that allowed Tennessee Tech to come back there and win that game. Texas A&M Commerce fans. I love you, but I've been trying to tell you this. FCS is different. It is a scholarship issue. It is a depth issue. Your defense is good. They are average. They are trending to above average fast at the FCS level, which is impressive to begin that. That tells you where they were in D2. They top of D2, but they don't have the depth. And when you don't have the depth, your defense gets tired. And if your offense is not good and the Lions offense is bad, it's bad. They don't, they don't have it. They can't pass block. And because they can't pass block, Eric Rodriguez is the best quarterback option because he, he could get out. He's fleet of foot. When he went down with an injury, Jagger LaRoe came in. And, and, you know, the Commerce fans are complaining about the offense stalling. Uh, that's because your offensive line. The, you know, Jagger LaRoe is a pocket quarterback. He's not the guy who can scramble. And so that's why the, the play calling changed the way it did. They they understand that. Eric Rodriguez was just – he was a lot of the engine on that offense. It, best game I've seen him play at Texas A&M Commerce until he got injured, unfortunately. And hopefully he's able to come back and, and he's not out for very long. But that depth is a problem. And it's going to be a problem. And when you go to Sam Houston this weekend, which we will get to in a minute, Sam Houston has some issues themselves, but one of those issues is not going to be Texas A&M commerce. Other than the fact that the lions are lining up on the other side of them and the Bearcats are angry. That's what's going to happen. this week. How many years does that take? Is that just one more recruiting class away? Is it two more recruiting classes away? We talked about it a little bit on our FCS big pod preview when you came in to the DFW area to, to record that. How long does that transition take to really catch up on those scholarship numbers and have the depth that you feel comfortable you need to go compete with, you know, an SFA and incarnate word, Tennessee tech, those kind of schools. A lot of it comes down to what is the donor base willing to, 
because it takes money to go from 36 to 63 scholarships. So how fast they get there depends on how fast they can fund those extra scholarships. You go, oh, well, Commerce has 63. I highly doubt they're funding all 63. Tarleton, for example, did not fund all 63 their first year or year and a half into FCS. If it took Tarleton that long, they have a much better alumni donor base that puts out money a lot than Commerce does right now. And so it's going to be up to that Commerce alumni to shell some of that out. If they want to be as competitive as they think they should be in the FCS level, they're going to have to make the sacrifices too to help that program. And then it, you know, and then you're still talking the defensive line. How long does it take you high offensive defensive line? That's where games are won and lost at every level. Well, if you want a good defensive and offensive line, you've got to get juniors and seniors. Freshmen and sophomores are not playing on a good offensive line just because of the straight physical nature and the growth and the time they spend in the weight room and and everything like that. So either you recruit transfers that are juniors and seniors or you go high school and then you still wait a couple years. So it look it could be it could be another 3 years. It could be a lot more if they're not going to fund the 63 scholarships. And one more game to look at uh, at the before we get into the preview section. Incarnate Word, you know, looks like the best sub FES team in Texas after a 55-41 win over Nevada. UIW is two and zero on the season and earned a win over an FBS program for the second straight year. The Cardinals are averaging 59.5 points a game. They accounted for 616 yards of total offense in, against Nevada, including 406 from through the air. Remember, this is a Nevada team that beat Texas State 38 to 14 in Week Two, so a pretty good Wolfpack team. Um, is that we'll talk? You know, we can I guess include the Sam Houston SFA talk in this topic. Kind of if, if we're thinking of those three teams as kind of the best F- FCS programs in the state, kind of why is Incarnate Word separating themselves from the other two right now through two weeks of the season? Because that Incarnate Word defense is for real. They are playing really well through the first two weeks. And this is an FBS team and a top 10 at the time, Southern Illinois team, who I realize has lost two games now. But the overall rating for Incarnate Word on Pro Football Focus is 91.9. It is far and away the best in sub-FBS in the state of Texas. Okay, for example, we we talk, we'll throw Sam Houston and Stephen F. into this. Sam Houston's rating right now overall is 64.4 and SFA is 61.3. That's just how good UIW is, and it's that defense. Their defense is rated overall in 85.5. There's there's nobody within 10 points of them in the overall ratings on pro football focus. Their only concern is run blocking. They are the worst team at sub FBS Texas level in run blocking right now. That could be an issue at some point, possibly playoff time, because otherwise that team is is really good. Yeah, they keep scoring 60 on people. They may not need that that run game all that much. You know, Lindsey Lindsey Scott looks excellent at quarterback. You know, Coach Kenny was really high on that defense. He had some high hopes for the defense. He thought they played really well in the spring and over the summer into training camp. So, uh, good on them to 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 figuring that out and kind of playing more complimentary football than maybe they were at times uh, during Morris's tenure there. 
what's wrong with SFA? What's wrong with Sam Houston? Kind of like, what what are your causes for concern there? Or is this just early season stuff that both of those teams can kind of figure out? Specifically, let's stay mostly with SFA just because Sam's kind of been a weird year this year where they're not playing for championships anyway. Okay, starting with SFA, I, I wanted to really kind of dive in and see what was going on. And, and so when I do that, I, I spend a lot of time on pro football focus because they're smarter than I am. And, and I forgot when I – I was wrong. I was one of those prognosticators jumped on the SFA bandwagon two feet in. I had pom-poms and everything. And boy, did I find out I should not have. And that's my own fault. And I'm like, where did I go wrong? Well, defensive coordinator is gone. Scott Power is now at Louisiana Tech. That's a new system. And Joe Coffin's a bad defensive coordinator. I'm saying it takes time to get him kind of mixed in with those guys and get them up to speed. So coaching staff changes that had a lot to do with it, but there's a problem on this offense and it's called Xavier Gibson. And it is not Xavier Gibson's fault. Xavier Gibson last year was targeted 104 times an average of eight times per game, even in games that they were getting blown out. Excuse me. So far this year, He's been targeted 14 times in three games, and he was not targeted at all against Alcorn. Not one time did he get a target against Alcorn State. He had five targets against Louisiana Tech. Oh, first game, nine targets, six catches, 50-yard touchdown. That's how it needs to be. None against Alcorn, five targets, and three of those were on the first drive. He is a game changer. He is your playmaker. You are putting him in the slot. He he is still in the slot 97.8% of the time. They're putting a man on him. You It's hard to double cover a guy in a slot. Utilize your weapon. Please utilize your weapons. It makes your whole offense look better. The rest of the receiving core is about on par where it was last year. Trey Self is not, and it's because they're not targeting Xavier Gibson enough. They've got to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands. And then we move before we move on to the preview section, just with Sam, is this kind of a, a natural occurrence of, you know, they can't play for a conference championship. They can't play for a national championship. A lot of this looks geared towards 2023. Uh, was this kind of coming a little bit of, of a dip just because, you know, they can't play up to the standard or, or go play for the things that that locker room's used to playing for? Well, what I'm about to say is something Casey Keeler already knows and kind of touched on um, in his press conference, post-game press conference the other day. And, and by the way, it's also something that's wrong with SFA. The offensive line cannot pass block anyone for either one, either SFA or Sam. The offensive line cannot pass block. And I've got, I'm breaking it down even further in the blitz tomorrow. So I won't take just too much time on it. But there's only one returning starter, and they moved him from center to guard. And he was good as a center. He has not been good as a guard. And I know Coach Keeler said that he felt like the offensive line was good against AM. The numbers don't show that. Okay. So it, In the blitz tomorrow, I kind of go in there. I kind of break some of that down to where last year's offensive line compared to where this year's offensive line is right now. And that really, defensively, they're good. They held A&M to 31. They held Northern Arizona to 10. Defense is not a problem 
that offensive line is a huge issue for the Bearcats. Let's look uh, forward to week three in our preview section. We'll start at the SWAC level with Texas Southern at Southern. Well, I guess it's in it's in Arlington, a neutral site uh, game at 4 p.m. in the Arlington football showdown. Texas Southern is 0-2 uh, with losses to Prairie View A&M and North Texas. QB Andrew Body is the star of the show. He threw for 239 yards and ran for 45 in a week two loss at North Texas. Southern is 1-1 one one after a loss to LSU. And in week one, they beat Florida Memorial University 86 to nothing. Florida Memorial University needing a memorial for themselves after that game. How many points do you think Texas Southern needs to score here in week three to have a chance against Southern? Because as we know, that defense for Texas Southern, probably not the strength of this football team. No, the defense is, um, well, it's bad for Texas Southern. And uh, how bad? Uh, the only defense worse than them overall in sub FBS in Texas this year through the, through the first few weeks is Stephen F. Austin. That's the only defense that's been worse. Um, and I don't think Stephen F. Austin's defense is bad, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. It just Texas Southern. Uh, I, we don't know anything about Southern and it, there's a chance if I can, I'm going to try to get to this game and, and cover that game. If not, there's another game that, uh, the good chance I could also be at this weekend at some point. Um, but my gosh, Andrew body. And something tells me they're going to win this game. But who has Southern played? Prairie view has gone out and they've played some comp or not Prairie view. Texas Southern played Prairie view. They've played some competition. Um, I think they're better prepared. I really do. I, you play North Texas and you play, you, you play Prairie View, your rival. That's a lot. That looks a lot better to me than playing, you know, the sisters of the poor out there that Southern has been doing. And yes, I get it. Eric Dooley, first coach, he's come over from Prairie View A&M to Southern. So there's storylines right there. I, I get, he made national headlines, which is what a new coach wants to do. I put 86 up on a team. I'm trying to show people I'm really good, but you're not playing anybody. It's like playing Lincoln, California. If you ever put Lincoln, California on your schedule right now, you're doing it because you know you're going to win. That's it. And so I actually think Texas Southern has a really good shot in this game. Yeah, a win for Texas Southern would be huge for this program, be kind of a big marker point, kind of a, a, a state of intention, right? Like a, a proof of concept uh, there at Texas Southern if they were able to, to win this game. Um, let's see here. Sorry, my thing, pop, thing popped up on my phone there. So we got 10 minutes left here on our, our recording situation. Uh, Harden Simmons at UW Plateville. Saturday, 1 p.m., Harden-Simmons thumped Wayland Baptist 79-14 in the week one opener. The Cowboys were randomly off in week two, a really early, uh, you know, bye week, open week thing, kind of weird there. Then, you know, it's Mary Harden-Baylor in week four. So this kind of week three game, is this kind of a, a scary trap situation there for Harden-Simmons, or you think they go out and handle business? Harden-Simmons better hope not, because if they lose this week, they're not going to make the playoffs because there's no way they – I don't think they would beat Mary Harden-Baylor – if they can't go up to Wisconsin and win this road game. If Harden-Simmons wants to be what they think they can be, which is a national contender, they have to dominate Wisconsin-Platteville this week. They just have to. In, I'm not saying by 70. I'm saying comfortably. Like, just let everybody know you're the best team. Against Wayland Baptist, they played with an edge. And the team that plays with an edge tends to play better and win more football games if they can bring that edge, and by the way, Wayland Baptist 
they showed him Wayland Baptist brought in edge last week after that butt whooping. Um, it, but if the Cowboys can bring that edge with them to Wisconsin and then home, that team is very dangerous. They're they're very talented and still fewer question marks than Mary Harden Baylor, but we still haven't seen Harden Simmons play in anyone. So this week is going to be really telling. They better be focused. Up next, undefeated Kilgore takes on New Mexico Military Institute on Saturday at 3 p.m. Now, we placed Kilgore in the national contender section of the latest Texas 47. For those listening, that, that's out. I think we published it, you know, as we were recording this uh, podcast. So that's out for everybody to go see. There's a lot of changes at the FBS level, at the FCS level, Division Three at JUCO, everything. Um, what has you so excited about this Kilgore team? Why, why are the Rangers a national title contender after two weeks now? Kilgore is going to beat New Mexico military telling you right now, I am calling it here. I watched New Mexico military against Navarro Navarro. They've got Dane Gents and he, he can create things, but he's not necessarily the most accurate passer. Navarro came out and punched New Mexico military in the mouth in MMI has played some tough teams, but they haven't played Kilgore. And from what I've seen of this Kilgore team, they're nasty. And I mean nasty, sometimes in a good way, and sometimes they're right on that edge of overboard, which is exactly where you need to be to be a national title contender in JUCO. You have to walk that line between too far and just straight dirty. You you just have to. And that defense has that in them. They are a unit that I think is going to carry this team into if they're not in the national title game, we're going to be looking at the, what happened. It better be injuries because they got all the talent in the world this year. My former defensive coordinator at Cedar Park, Chip Killian, who's now on the coaching staff at Southwestern, used to always tell us, you know, uh, in terms of that line, he'd say approach that line, mess it up with your foot a little bit, adjust it six inches, and then that's where the line is, you know. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's how you got to play. Good on Kilgore. Uh, they've been exciting to watch. And then let's go to the Texas Westland game versus Ottawa University, Arizona on Saturday at 7 p.m. The Rams are already 3-0 in the season. They played in week zero. Uh, any reasons for concern for Westland on Saturday? What has you excited about this game? I know this may be your kind of backup plan if you're not at the Texas Southern Southern game. Oh, this is definitely – this might not even be a backup plan. There's a chance this might become plan A because I am – I – have never been excited about an NAIA football game until September the 13th, 2022. Let me tell you, this this one is going to be a showdown. They, they both should be nationally ranked. I haven't seen the NAIA rankings uh, yet. That they, They're updated this week. They, they have a weird schedule. But Texas Wesleyan is good. They're good all the way around. They're not taking any prisoners. They are focused. They are just dominating everyone and you know ottawa comes in having played sagu last week and sagu defense is pretty solid and they showed that ottawa can be held i think texas west this game is for the the sooner athletic conference title no question this game is for that i think texas wesleyan at home as if they can handle the moment that's my question they have the talent. They have everything going in their way, in, in their favor. Coach Prudhomme and staff are tremendous. Can they handle this? Can they handle that big game atmosphere? Can they handle 
playing at this level against these teams, that is something that's still to be seen. Can they? Yes. Will they is what the question is. So they're going to they're gonna be hyped up, and when you get hyped up, sometimes you get overhyped. How can they control those emotions and, and go play like they have been? Because they've been dominant so far. All right, we got a couple minutes left here. Uh, this is a little off script, but I wanted to ask you just after a couple weeks, because I've been thinking about this at the FBS level. After week two, you know, what are maybe one, two, three teams that have kind of overachieved based on your expectations that have kind of surprised you in a pleasant way after the first couple weeks of the year? Angelo State, definitely one of those. UIW is uh, one of those. And then I'm going to – I got to go with 3A and 3B right now. I'm going to go Texas Wesleyan. I had high expectations. They've actually overachieved those. And then Kilgore. I don't have any expectations because you never know what to expect out of JUCO. So them being as good as they are definitely has uh, exceeded what I thought would happen. And then on the flip side, what are a couple of teams that, that maybe you're concerned about that you thought were going to be pretty good going into this year? You've got the combination of SFA, Sam. That battle of Piney Woods is going to have storylines anyway. Not the storylines we thought it was going to have, but it's going to be two teams that are trying to find themselves in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be fun to watch. Midwestern yeah. State. Midwestern State, you know, they were down to eastern New Mexico on the road late in the second half. Dylan Davis jumped. I'm going to have a little thing about what – about that and kind of a little deja vu I, I experienced this last weekend that uh, will be humorous at some levels and then, you know, telling on the college football level there. Um, another team that did, that is um, that has gone below my expectations, Texas A&M Kingsville. I, I'm throwing the Javelinas in there because – you're not you did not beat Sol Ross the way a division two team should beat a division three team that's been in the basement of the American Southwest Conference. That game should never have been close. It was way too close. So I'm gonna put Kingsville, but they could also come back out and go into that other category if they can beat a, a West Texas team that uh, I'm still trying to find out if they're gonna be consistent or not. All righty, guys. Well, we appreciate everybody listening to the uh, second episode of the, the Small College Podcast here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Again, please rate, subscribe, all that kind of stuff wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. We will be ne back next week. We're going to try to do this every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. I'd imagine we spend most of our time next week talking Harden-Simmons, Mary Harden, uh, but we will see. Uh, for Corey Hogue, for Mike Craven, we appreciate you listening. Check out texasfootball.com for uh, everyday coverage. Wednesdays, Corey has the Blitz out there, which has a lot of information on, on the small colleges. Saturday, he's going to cover a game each week and give three thoughts, stuff like that. So always something to read on texasfootball.com. Like we mentioned earlier, the Texas 47, that puts all the 47 programs in the state into six different tier categories, has been recalibrated for the week. A lot of movement there. So please go check that out. We appreciate you listening. And uh, thanks again. Talk to you all next week.